This is Search for Truth. Hello, welcome and thanks for tuning in and thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your company and hope you find the next 15 minutes of great spiritual benefit. Today our Bible teacher Brian begins a new series which is called The Triumph of Christ Crucified. This is where the image of a triumphal procession of a Roman conquering general and his soldiers is taken up by Paul and used to compare with the conquests of Christ. In this first talk, Brian will be quoting Bible verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 4 in our Bibles, where a, a Roman triumphal procession is mentioned. So have your Bible ready if you want to follow as Brian reads. But now let's go to Brian. Thank you, John. Hello and welcome to our new series, which, as John says, aims to explore the Bible's use of the imagery of a Roman triumph. What we want to do is to view the big picture of the progress of Christianity in strategic terms as a triumphal procession through the world and across the pages of history. Of course, this view of things contrasts sharply with the marginalisation of Christianity today in much of the Western world. And wherever we live, it may also contrast with our personal struggles as Christians trying to live true to Christ's teaching in a hostile world. So, we're talking about a Roman triumph. What was one of those, you may ask? Well, it was the victory parade of a military hero. If his achievement had been significant enough, he was given this great honour when he returned to Rome. And what was this honour? Well, it consisted of a procession from the banks of the river Tiber into the heart of the city of Rome, into the Forum, to the very Capitoline Hill itself, and so to the altar of Jupiter. Along the way, the temple stood open, and their altars smoked with fragrant incense. At the head of the procession were the captive leaders and soldiers, usually walking in chains. Their captured weapons and treasures were carted along behind them. Next in line, and all on foot, came Rome's senators and magistrates and civil servants, then the general, the celebrated hero of the hour, in his four-horse chariot. A favoured companion might share the chariot with him, or sometimes his children. His officers and soldiers followed. Somewhere in the procession, two flawless white oxen, garland-decked and with gilded horns, were led for sacrifice to the Roman god Jupiter. Finally, bringing up the rear of the procession were the lowest of the low, the captive slaves. And all of this went to the accompaniment of music, clouds of incense and the strewing of flowers. Without a doubt, this was one of the most extravagant displays of Roman supremacy. The general was celebrated like a god in his ability to channel divine favour in support of the cause of Roman imperial expansion and in the subordination of all its enemies. This was a wonderful piece of ancient street theatre, which above all projected the vision of Rome as the greatest show of power on earth. Such was the profile of this kind of event in those days, it's no surprise to us that the Apostle Paul should develop it as an analogy for the all-conquering Christ, he being the one who had made a spectacle of the Apostles, who leads believers in triumph, who's already led captivity captive, and this same analogy of a Roman triumph when applied to the crucified Christ, even features a public subordinating of angelic authorities. But more on these things later in the series. But as we begin, may I ask, how do you view your Christian progress? Perhaps different possible views can be related to this background picture which we've painted. Let's take one of them to get us going. 
our first snapshot of a Roman triumph as it might relate to our experience of Christianity. The snapshot we are going to zoom in on comes from a particular moment in the life and work of the Apostle Paul, as he records it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Allow me to set the scene for you, because Paul is writing this Bible letter to the Church of God at Corinth from where he was based at the time, which was across the sea at Ephesus, where there was also a Church of God to be found, that is, a company of Christian disciples carefully following the Apostle's teaching. Yes, the Apostle Paul was based at Ephesus, for somewhere around three years during his third missionary journey. Like Antioch before it, Ephesus became his second base in his overall God-given life mission, which was to evangelise the Gentile world. Ephesus became the gateway for opening up the Roman province of Asia. From there he wrote his Bible letters to Corinth. The church there, at Corinth, had been planted during the second leg of his second missionary journey, a journey on which he'd stopped by Ephesus but only very briefly. Now on his next missionary journey, Paul returns to Ephesus by taking the high road through Galatia. The start of his time spent at Ephesus was encouraging enough. Paul soon found a nucleus of 12 disciples for church planting at Ephesus. These were busy, dramatic times for Paul when the Spirit of God was moving mightily in these parts. But the adversary, who always opposes the purposes of God, was soon to get busy also. Indeed, he'd never stopped attacking, and Paul was no stranger to troubles of many kinds. But here at Ephesus, matters would come to a head very soon. You see, it was from here that Paul wrestled with a major problem then existing in the Church of God at Corinth, which was directly across the Aegean Sea from Ephesus. Sometimes with a newly planted church, there's impressive growth and many good things to report, but then the church comes under the influence of strong personalities who blow it off course. Paul learned at Corinth what it was to become weak in Christ. Opponents there challenged Paul's apostolic authority in what was possibly a misguided attempt by some to impose the authority of the mother church at Jerusalem over the Gentile Christian world. Let's listen in as Paul tackles the contentious Corinthians head on, as we might say. This is 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Let a man regard us in this manner, Paul says, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me it's a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, so that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we also might reign with you. For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. 
but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honour. To this present hour we are both hungry and thirsty, and are poorly clothed, and are roughly treated, and are homeless, and we toil, working with our hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. As we said before, the snapshot developed for us here in our reading has captured the apostle embroiled in an insider power struggle within the church of God at Corinth. There were some there who were arrogant and felt themselves superior even to Paul, and so they challenged his apostolic authority. Clearly, life in a church of God wasn't always easy or pleasurable for Paul. At times, he struggled against opposition from within, as well as suffering persecution from external forces. While coping with all this, Paul invokes for himself and his fellow apostles what seems at first rather like defeatist imagery. It's the picture of tail-enders in one of those Roman victory processions that we began today by talking about. Paul identifies himself with the lowest of the low in such a spectacle when he says God exhibited the apostles last of all, as a spectacle to the world, both to men and to angels. Wow! This is Paul expressing how he felt, evoking the imagery of captives trudging along in chains. Have you ever had to remind yourself that your faith has overcome the world at some time when it feels more like you're walking through treacle and things are getting you down? This resonates with Paul's mood as captured here amid the very real struggles of Christian life. If that should also be you right now, then the message here to you is lift up the heads that hang down and glimpse again the bigger picture, the picture of all the aspects of the triumph of Christianity, of which we as believers are a part. There are so many facets to this overall victorious picture, the one we are considering in this series of a Roman triumphal procession. At times, as we'll see in the remainder of this series, Paul sees himself as Christ's captive, At another, like an incense bearer. At yet another, like one of Christ's trophies. There again, he sees his co-workers as good soldiers and even believers as family and friends honoured in the general's chariot. His view of it all embraces good as well as bad angels and the saved as well as the unsaved of humanity, all following God's script as we march through history to our destiny. Altogether, it's a real kaleidoscope of individual images Can they really all fit together as snapshots of the single Christian experience? Captive and degraded, alongside being victoriously raised and seated with the victor? Yes, the reconciling viewpoint is the realisation that to be triumphed over by Christ is to share his triumph. Whatever hardships we endure now, which are truly for the sake of Christ, will all be compensated for in answering glory in a day to come. The cross, with all its shame, has become the victor's chariot. Christ is the universal conqueror, marching in triumph down through the corridors of time and over all of this vanquished world until all creation owns his sway. Though for some, that acknowledgement will come too late to save them. But for us, to be triumphed over by Christ now is to share his triumph forever. This realisation, graphically captured for us in biblical triumphal imagery, transforms our struggle with difficulties into veritable shouts of victory, all hail to the triumphant, crucified Christ. 
Life may at times be hard, but we're on the winning side because the war was won for us at the cross. Let's say it again. By being triumphed over by Christ, we find our triumph, that is, our share in his triumph. I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk and, like me, you found it spiritually uplifting and it's whet your appetite for the next one next week. But now to sum up with some information. First, if you'd like to have the free booklet, then just uh, send us your postal address and ask for the title The Triumph of Christ Crucified. And uh, you need to uh, write either to our postal address or email and here are the addresses. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5, 6LN, UK. And uh, our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you can download audio versions of some past programmes on your computer by going to www.searchfortruth.org.uk. This is also our church website, and you can access other useful material. Another way of getting past titles of Search for Truth booklets is at Amazon, amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you'll find a growing list of booklets is available. So that's all I have for now. Safe to thank you once again for the privilege of your company. Next week we enjoy more concerning the triumph of Christ crucified, so make sure you don't miss it. Until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, from David, from me, John, and as always, may God richly bless you.